0: Hey Brandon, <laughs> what's up, Pablo? Not
1: much. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing good. What about you? Good, good. Just uh, getting anxious for some races.
0: Yeah, I bet. Yeah. There's nothing uh, around there yet.
1: There are. I'm just waiting until I get my second vaccine. So I've got I get it next week, and then uh, I'm gonna do my first race May first. So pumped. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: I get mine. I get mine next week as well.
1: Cool. The second shot.
0: Yeah, second shot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious how that'll go for me. Like I heard it's not great, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I heard as well. So, are you in New Mexico now? Yeah, I'm in New Mexico. I had a few days off, uh, of school and work, so I just came here with uh, with the family that I, I used to live uh, a few years back. So I'm just visiting and getting some riding here.
1: Sick. I hear I've always wanted to ride in like Utah, New Mexico, just it looks amazing.
0: Yeah, I am in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. So there's some some good riding here, altitude, some long, long hills.
1: Are you going to do mountain bike or road? I road. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Big rides.
0: (laughs) Yeah, big rides, at least for the next four days.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. What's, um, well, let's okay so let's jump into this real quick you know i always had told people uh this was the easiest question but it's become the hardest question who's pablo cruz
0: Ooh, yeah i guess one of the hard ones <laughs> 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 well uh what how can i say on myself i'm a very happy person which like to like to learn learn a lot get get advice from people uh and i think share share what I have learned, what I have uh, people have given to me and and yeah, help, help others. Um, I enjoy doing, doing that. So that's Pablo. how I miss her.
1: Dude, that's awesome. Pablo is a great dude. I'm actually, we'll, uh, maybe if I put this out on the internet, it'll truly, we'll have to make it happen. Pablo and I are going to drive to Honduras for his uh, Christmas gift giving. What do you call it? A Christmas like community event or what, what would you call this yeah i
0: call it uh, toys toys for kids okay yeah so this is a toy uh let's say like in an, a an event that we recollect or we recollect money to buy toys for for kids in mm-hmm. the rural areas of, of Honduras, especially in the mountains around the town that i that i that i'm from so our kids that are sometimes forced uh to work s- since a very young age especially okay. in coffee farms where they can't get an education, or their their parents prefer to like send them to work instead of school. So our our kids that um that live like adults pretty much, you know. That's like wild. They, are, they have never received a toy every, every Christmas, so it's it's a happy moment, and they get very happy when when we come and and give them toys and play with them.
1: It's incredible. People need to watch. Do you have a website for this or do you just collect it through Instagram or can, if right now people want to donate, can they get a hold of you to do that?
0: Yeah. I I actually, what I do is that I, I start like a uh, GoFundMe like probably like two months before December. Okay. And then just, uh, just recollect the money. But I I actually don't have a website right now, but uh, it's a plan, like a future plan.
1: Maybe we we should uh, like start a GoFundMe earlier. I don't know what the rules are with GoFundMe, but if it could be like six months out, dude, I mean, I would get it on that. Let's start collecting. Let's see. Let, let's break the record and, like, go down freaking, like, knock it yeah. out of
0: the park. Yeah, for sure. And instead of just visiting one place, we can visit, like, two or three places. So, Dude, that'd be, what's
1: your goal usually for collection?
0: Uh, in the past few years has been, like, between 800, 500 to, to 800 so that might not be much in here, but in Honduras, it's impressive how much you can do with that with that
1: money. You know? Do you buy everything down there?
0: Yeah, I buy every everything down. Okay.
1: there. Okay, dude, we're gonna crush that. We're gonna crush. Yeah, but, it, yeah.
0: but if if, if, you're, if this year we're planning on driving down, that's that's gonna be better because we can actually take some stuff from here down there. You know.
1: Okay, that, dude, that'd be awesome. we gotta we're bringing this to fruition. We're gonna destroy that. And I'm actually thinking I'm gonna do like a. 150 mile ride, have people be like, hey, would you do like 50 cents a mile or something? You yeah. Know, get like pledges. Awesome. And all right, we're going to brainstorm on this. Um, all right. So, how did you get in? So, were you born in Honduras? Yeah.
0: grew up there? in Honduras. Yeah.
1: So, did you get into cycling there?
0: Yeah, I got into cycling there. Tell me about so, that. I was born in a little town called Sihuatepeque, Honduras. Okay. It's like a little town in the middle of the mountains in the center of Honduras. So, everything started from uh high school classmates that they invited me to go ride a bike, and I was like, uh, I don't want a bike, but my dad had a had a rusty old mountain bike, so I was like, "Oh yeah, I have a bike so i'm gonna, <laughs> I, I went to the garage and just pump up the tires, and I was like, "Okay, I'm ready, let's go." But everything sounded so easy, you know like, "Yeah, I just go ride a bike you know <laughs> and they and my my classmate had had this uh like fancy road bikes. And so I was like, okay, let's go get a try. And the first hill we we hit, I was immediately dropped. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, damn. But so but I but I kept going and then they turned around. And when I saw them, I turned around with them. And then I got dropped again. And I was like, no, no, dude, like I'm I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but then like when you're like a kid, you're, you're always like trying to be competitive, you know, with your mm-hmm. friends and stuff. So I was like the next day I was like, well, I actually want to want to give it a try and see if i can keep up with my friends you know to be cool and just be be there <laughs> and that's how like little by little and then i i told my parents like hey i want to i want to join cycling i want to i want to see if i can get a better bike like an actual road bike mm-hmm. and they say like no it's, it's too dangerous like you better try other sports because i I always been active like trying soccer or taekwondo sports and and yeah, they said like it was too dangerous. And then little by little, I kept like saving money and buying my own, my own parts.
1: No and way! Then,
0: <clears> throat> yeah, throat> I can. I got my first bike. My it, it was a steel frame with the shifters in the in the down tube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of those. And then I started going to to races and rides, and I started coming up with like little medals of like third place, fifth place, fourth place. And then my parents like started liking it, so I was like, oh, so he's actually doing something, you know. <laughs>
1: Dude, that's then, awesome.
0: Yeah. They started supporting me. And then I, I got my first uh, road bike with actual shifters on the on mm-hmm. the on the hoods. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, that's how everything started little by little. And then the National Federation from Honduras started me like including me into the into the junior national team. And then we went to like a junior races in Guatemala and El Salvador, like the the near countries from Honduras. Mm-hmm. But then I started falling in love with the, with the sport.
1: Dude, that's incredible. I actually started on a down shifter bike. I don't even remember. I, I started cycling because I had to lose weight. I was just getting fat. And I remember getting out of the shower being like, dude, this is not a good look on you. Like, you need to do something. <laughs> and uh, my dad had an old Nishiki road bike with down tube shifters. And yeah. I started getting into it and someone was like, you should get a trainer and cause it was about to be winter in upstate New York. And I'm like, like a coach. They're like, no, like the thing you put on the ground and you ride in your basement. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like put it in and like, you know, it's kind of annoying shifting, like reaching down to shift. So like yeah. you get on the trainer, you're getting a gear and you just mash it out. And uh, yeah, slowly started seeing like weight coming off and I was like, Hmm, maybe I should like get into this thing. So that's, I remember the yeah. first, when the shifters were on the hoods, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, this is awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah. I thought it was like one of those like F1 cars. Like you have the shifters here, you know, and stuff. Yeah.
1: hundred percent. And I had a, I have the first road bike I bought was like a Le Monde, It was called a Versailles, which was, it was carbon, but it was like a, you know, 105, everything, not very racy, kind of like they called it race light. I took it out yeah. to like test ride it at the bike shop and I pushed on the pedals and it was like, and I was like, Whoa, this is fast. <laughs> yeah. Instantly just in love with that. <laughs> it's awesome. So yeah. you're super, you're really active on Instagram of, you know, in the gym, you're riding the mountain bike, you're out on the road, you're, you've got a lot of different things going on in training and we'll uh, talk about PC endurance coaching also. What's your kind of like overall training plan? And the reason I ask that is, you know, there's different demands to different uh, disciplines and sometimes it's confusing for athletes. Like, Hey, I'm a mountain biker, but I also train on the road. Like what do I, how do I know what to train for? So I wanted to ask you, cause you're someone who's super successful in a lot of different disciplines. How do you manage that? How do you think about it? Like big picture?
0: Yeah. So I kind of divide my training like in three, in three parts. So I do like strength training in the gym and, or strength or power, whatever I'm, I'm working on at that, mo- at that moment. And then I do like a skill day, which is like mountain biking and just like going on the trail, working on some like technical features on the trail, like repeating it and things like that. Like nothing specific in terms of like power or heart rate or any numbers, just like trying to feel the fastest line. Or how does it feel like with certain tire pressure or things like that? Mm. And then the other is just actual workouts where I look at power, heart rate, and all all those things more specific, which I do. And sometimes I alternate between the mountain bike, like doing them on the mountain bike or in the road bike. What would
1: you choose to do on the mountain bike and what would you prefer to do on the road bike in terms of power?
0: Yeah, on the mountain bike, I do the mostly like higher end power. Just to like, to like uh, feel familiar with the with how does how does the bike feel? Like the bottom bracket is wider, bars are wider. The position is more like up straight. So I would try to just to do the higher end power because the mountain bike races are mostly like you are even either on zone five or six or so or zone one. Like just mm-hmm. just no pedaling, just going downhill. Mm-hmm. And then on the road bike, I like to do the more longer stuff or endurance rides.
1: Okay. and then when you are when do you split up uh power work versus strength work if you can let people know what do you what are the differences in those two and is it in a portion of the season that it's different or are you rotating throughout the season or how do you split that up
0: well that actually just came recently because like since COVID started I, I I got back in back into mountain biking well like I started in mountain biking but I I then just dedicated myself to road mm. and now I'm like starting to get back into mountain biking since then. Mm-hmm. So it's been just like a year that I have been like combining road and, and mountain biking, like trying okay. to perform mm-hmm. in both. Okay. So then, <clears throat> so that's, that's when it, um, everything started, but I normally try to do like, for example, like in a week, I would do Tuesday, Tuesday workout on the mountain bike and then Thursday workout on the road bike.
1: Okay. Things, yeah. And when you were talking about, were you talking about, when you said strength versus power, were you talking about in the gym though, right? Like what's the difference in those two? Like how do you, cause I'm definitely more of, and and this is sort of to my fault. I don't really switch over to like plyo work, which some people will consider like speed work in the gym. How? Yeah. What do you differentiate as strength and power? Or were you just saying strength and power is one, is the same type of stuff? Maybe I'm um,
0: you. I work in that d- differently. So, like, if there's no races, I will I will focus myself on strength because I feel like it 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 uh gives you more strength, more I think TSS. So heavier power,
1: or heavier weight?
0: Yeah, strength. Okay. Yeah, because like higher, a little higher, higher reps, and a little more slower movement. And then when races get get closer, I do more 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 power because I work more on plyometrics and shorter stuff just uh, explosive movements, just kind of like su- sustained mm-hmm. the, the speed. Yeah.
1: Cool. So almost kind of, and then also it probably like is more of like, I don't want to use the term maintenance lifting, but you're not trying to make strength gains. You're really staying sharp for the races that are coming up.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. And, and and probably like the, the week before a race, I just, I just lift once. And probably if I race on, on Saturday or Sunday, the last lift I do is probably on, on Tuesday. Okay. Although I, I've been trying this, like, I think you talked about it, the potentiation. Yeah. I've been trying it a few times, and and I feel it works for the higher end stuff. But when I when I have to do, like, 15-minute, 20-minute intervals, then it's like, mm-mm, no, this is not working. So
1: that is what I've come to, and then I'm thinking of, like, you know, he coaches Ashton Lambie, the guy that brought, um, Chris Sega brought potentiation up. Yeah. Like three minute effort. It's great for it. 12 yeah. minute over under by like nine minutes. I'm like, Ooh, I'm tired. I just don't have the duration to hold out. So yeah, exactly. I was joking with another guy. He's like, so everyone's going to start bringing like uh, squat racks to warm up with <laughs> to a bike race. I don't think yeah. that will happen, but yeah, I've, um, Tuesday used to be my last lift, maybe Wednesday, since I've, I've been trying to get in the gym twice a week and so I'm thinking of maybe for like B priority races I would maybe lift on Thursday and just see how it goes but I've also kind of we had had a lot of conversations about you know the higher rep less weight and I've considered it more of like a light day that I might do on the weekend so maybe if I can do Tuesday Thursday I'm still determining like if I can, if I'm okay, lifting heavy on the day of intervals, if they're longer, if I can get two heavy days in, I might just do a home, home gym style, body weight, light weights on Saturday, just to keep the movements going. And I think to my fault, when I switch to just two days a week, I sometimes let my like tertiary lifts and lighter weight stuff fall to the, to the side. And those are really important to keep everything like moved <laughs> yeah. up and going well. So something I need to tweak toy around with for sure. Um, yeah, what, for sure. what's a small thing that has maybe had a big impact in your training as you've come up through the ranks of, you know, now being a cat one cyclist, maybe that you were doing, how long have you been competitively racing for? Uh, I think <clears throat> 11 years. Okay. So yeah, yeah. maybe three or four mm-hmm. years and you like know a lot from when you first started but what's something maybe that you've changed from the early years till now that has that you're just like man i wish i knew this back then
0: yeah i think it's uh rest prioritizing uh sleep being consistent that the time you go to bed the time you wake up it's it's pretty it's key for for me even if i don't get like the 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 regular or the regular recommendation that they say you need to get like between seven and eight hours or nine if you're like a very active athlete mm-hmm. but uh, sleep consistency I think has been key for every for my, my my training and I look a lot into I don't know if you're into HRV heart rate
1: variability I'm not so, but tell me about it more
0: yeah like I like right now I'm I'm doing my thesis working on my thesis for my masters. So I'm, I'm doing a, my thesis on HRV and training stress so how how the body reacts for with different stress and HRV and see if HRV is a a a gauging tool a a tool to gauging training stress or recovery for in between training blocks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What have you found so far? Uh, so I be, I, I've been tracking it like every morning just to see how my body reacts uh, with HRV. HRV is the it's the the balance of your autonomic nervous system, see your, how your parasympathetic and sympathetic activity are are and in, 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 like if they're in balance or if you are not adapting well to training or if you are about to like overtrain, mm-hmm. and not just not just training, uh, also just like uh, cognitive stress through the day. I mean the TSS that we don't track, you know, we extract TSS from the from the, on the bike, but there is like so many so many things that go around our lives that can actually impact our training, you know? Like if you have a hard day at work or, or if you're having problems with your family or things like that, you know, that can actually um, influence your your training performance?
1: No doubt. I mean, I think that is underrated big time. Yeah. And I, you know, once I left the hospital world, I was able to get more of a controlled schedule before I was very much on the schedule of just what, when the surgeries were that I had to be at and, you know, how the doctor was acting and da 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 da. And now that I'm more, you know, full time with coaching and I can structure days differently, I've noticed I've been able to reduce extraneous stress. But like you said, man, you have a bad day with family or you have just a, you know, stressful day with whatever. I can feel that on the bike for sure. And I think it's, it's tough sometimes for athletes that are having just high stress all the time to Mm -hmm. understand that they might have a bad day, not because their body's not, they haven't been working out properly. It's just a bad day. Like you can't perform that day. So it's tough to see these VO two max intervals and go out and crush it. When you're just like, your brain is elsewhere. Thinking about all these other things.
0: Yeah, exactly or like a or like a high high low day like i i don't know if the day that you plan your that you plan the workouts for all of your athletes like you i don't know if you have noticed some like changes on that day where you have a lot of thinking going on and planning and that and those things like does that reflect on the bike or is that a day where you like just want to go out and ride and clear your mind from all the thinking and stuff
1: mm-hmm. you know I think I think that's why it's, you know, you, you, somebody I was talking to somebody about how like the training peaks calendar can't be the Bible and it has to always be flexible. And yeah. there are those times like it's got to work with life. And that's the one thing that I think there's so many metrics that everybody wants to get so into these metrics. And actually, this is a question I was going to ask you, you know, now that WKO, a lot of athletes have it and and I'll say use it. They don't maybe they look at some charts or. They pick up on one chart that they they understand and they're like i want to base everything around this or do you think sometimes that the all the data now that we have at our fingertips has sort of taken away from the basics of in the endurance side of the sport like you know endurance riding is not sexy but it's a huge component and what's your thoughts on that just how like You know, it's almost like we know too much. It's similar to like, uh, you know, they say internet doctors, like we WebMD everything when we're sick and we go in knowing what's wrong with our body. And the doctor's like, what do you know? Stop reading the internet. Um, (laughs) What do you think about that? Especially for newer cyclists, like, you know, has it kind of gotten too much at times?
0: Yeah, I I think for especially for newer cyclists on when they're like learning about training peaks and they are. Basing their, or basing their their fitness from the performance management chart. And sometimes they, they are too much into TSS, and the TSS is like that predicts your fitness. and But we need to know that not all TSS is created equal. So we can just be loading TSS, 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 and then it was like, yeah, my fitness is like one 110 or 100. And then you go to a race, and then you get dropped in the first 10. 10 <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to just depend on that chart. Like, you got to know the background of the athlete and see what he's working towards you. It's like a a mountain biker, and you just just work on very sharp stuff. You're not going to be creating that much TSS. I mean, it's going to feel in the body, but the chart is not going to be that Mm
1: -hmm. true. You are, you literally were in my brain this morning as I'm about to film this video of an athlete that had emailed me and was like, Hey man, he, so he, it's, he lives in Tennessee and it had been, uh, you know, bad weather for a little while. And because of work and, you know, not a ton of sunlight at night, he was riding inside had 90 minutes. And I was like, dude, that's fine. Like do the workout and then get off. And so is quote unquote, Strava fitness has gone down from hundred to 70. Um, meanwhile, he's been setting PRs. He's been like, he's like super ready to go. And he's like, I'm just worried when I go outside, like I'm, am I less fit? Did I lose everything from the winter? And it's like, so literally the thing that I'm going to put in this video is all TSS is not created equally. All CTL is not created equally. Like you can have a hundred and get beat by somebody by 70 who had focused training with the right dosed intensity. So I love that you said that. That was, uh, took it right out of my mouth. Um, (laughs) what's, uh, shifting more towards you specifically, do you have any good or bad habits in your life or training that you think affect racing, whether positively or negatively?
0: Uh, good habits. I mean, I think it's, it's the same, just cor- like in both sides. So I think it's a uh, good habit is that I'm very consistent. <clears throat> I'm very consistent with my training, even, if, even if, if my volume is not very high because of, of work and school and all those things. <clears throat> I'm very consistent with my training, which I think has been key for, for just staying at the competitive level. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then a bad habit is like if I miss a day or two days, I like freak out. Even if it's like a rest week, yeah, I got to go spin my legs and do this. But if I don't do it, I's like, oh, I freak out. But you got you to gotta be conscious that, that one day is not going to do anything. Especially in a rest week, you can still, I mean, it takes, takes a few days to like lose lose fitness. Totally. Or sometimes like, sometimes like getting, off of a, getting off a rest week, not like you don't have a, like the first week after a rest week is not always the best week sometimes for some athletes depending on what depending on your under training so sometimes that week kind of like uh frustrates a lot of a lot of athletes and sometimes happens to me even if i'm the one that tells people like it's all right like it's just it's just that you're coming out of a rest week it's sometimes it's that's how it works it's just
1: know. the unnecessary it's the necessary <clears throat> evil and i uh the last guy's calendar that i was just looking at before we hopped on this we shifted his, so he's going to do Crockett down in Texas and he yeah. really needs to get a rest weekend. But I was like, Hey, instead of doing the rest week, the week right before this race, which then might put you on Tuesday, still not feeling amazing. And then your brain starts racing thinking, I'm not ready for this race. I said, let's shift everything three days back. So then you get the tail end of the weekend the week before so you're like rolling by Tuesday so mentally you know that you're ready but it's so easy for us to second guess ourselves after a rest week if you feel a little stale it's like what just happened over the past week but
0: yeah
1: it's just and that's
0: supposed to be better yeah
1: yeah Yeah, exactly like I (laughs) thought I rested Am I supposed to be faster now (laughs) like just you know and that (laughs) is a funny thing every athlete is different some people come back on Tuesday and they just they're a monster and they just crush it and it's really hard to to predict that and that it can change it's just like the human body uh it's a tricky one
0: mm-hmm. what's yeah.
1: um do you have any favorite intervals or any workouts or not saying that there's a magic workout but something that makes you feel good and ready before a race so you've got a big race coming up something that maybe like a little litmus test where you're like okay i'm ready to go
0: yeah um, I think that will that will change depending on the of what kind of race I'm getting for, but 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 I think uh, <clears throat> what I like to do, especially for road races, is like okay, I had I had a good endurance ride, like for example, like I I, I could sustain a good power for for say like three four hours, and mm-hmm. I mean no cruising and I still feel good. And then I after those after those hours that I'm a little tired, and I can still like crush some intervals, like for say like a sweet spot or VO two max intervals. And then I see, I see that fitness with tire legs. That's when I, when I, I think like, okay, like I, can, I'm ready to race because like I can be, I can cr- I can be crushing like VO two max intervals in a, in a weekday when I, we're I just train like two three hours, but I'm doing them after like 20 minute warmups after 30 minute warmups. So mm-hmm. yeah, like that's good. Like you're crushing the workout, but you're not actually doing them in a race environment where you where you get to the end of the race and you you, you have to do that you have, you, have, you have to be able to do that kind of intervals like and repeatedly you know
1: how do you rate success or failure on those is it just a feeling or because there's no way to know you know There's some charts that show like you know how much your power degrades after two thousand three thousand whatever you want to set it to kilojoules but even all kilojoules are not the same. You could go out and do a group ride and rack up 3000 KJs and then do intervals. That's going to be much harder than if you racked up 3000 KJs of high endurance and then intervals. So how do you rate like success or failure on those kilojoule deep efforts? Is it just a feeling since you have the experience of like, Oh damn, like I'm ripping it up at the end of this ride, or are you going back and looking for specific power values?
0: Yeah, I think that would depend on the race as well, but but yeah, like I I just go by 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 feeling like how how do they feel after, mm-hmm. and and also like making sure that my nutrition like I was on top of my nutrition the whole the whole ride, mm-hmm. so I can have like an even feeling at the end of the ride, you know, like if I if I didn't have a good nutrition plan for that ride and then I suck at the at the at the, intervals at the end of the ride, then it's like okay, but I didn't I didn't eat enough, you know, that's why it sucked. So just making sure, like probably like I. I had a nutrition like I would in a race, and then perform those
1: those efforts. What is your nutrition like in a race? What are you doing? Let's talk. So ready, let's talk macros. Like, are you are you preparing before you leave? You're like, okay, I have X amount of carbs per hour, and then let's talk like product. If you want, like, what you actually like to use.
0: Yeah, for a, a longer ride, like for say four hours, I'll I would try to hit. I would try to um, go for probably between. 75, 95 grams per grams of carbs per per hour. So I try to split them up between 20 grams every 20 minutes or 30 grams every 20 minutes.
1: Okay, is that liquid yeah. or food <clears throat> or a mixture?
0: Uh, so <clears throat> I, I try to do both. Like some, normally at the beginning of the ride right, I try I start with solids and then with the time I start like switching into more liquids towards the end. But yeah, I do in the bottles. Like if, if we're gonna talk about products, I like the the Beta Fuel from Okay.
1: SIS,
0: yeah. yeah I, feel, I think has a good mixture. I mean, maltodextrin and fructose, I think. Yeah. That's pretty good. And then on gels, uh, also the SIS gels.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's pretty good. Uh, I think they have like around 20, 20, 21 grams of carbs per,
1: per gel. 22. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I only know that because I always look at my, I usually bring like four and I'm like, okay, 88. Because I, I usually add stuff up with a calculator before I leave just to make sure because it's weird, man. For the number of bike rides I've done, like I'll look at a four and a half hour ride and sometimes I'm like, ooh, damn. I'm glad I looked at that because I would have been looking for food on the road, <laughs> not bringing yeah. enough. Well,
0: yeah. uh, if you're getting, like, if you, don't, if you don't get, if you like really squeeze them, you get a 22. Maybe you good. get one if you don't squeeze it very well. <laughs>
1: exactly. I need to I need to put that in. I've actually bring uh Swedish fish and I'll throw a couple extra in there because sometimes I drop a few and I'm like, oh well I'm not turning around for that. We're gonna keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, this is Brendan with Evoke Bike. We will be back with part two with Pablo Cruz towards the end of the week. If this was beneficial, please let a friend know. And this episode was sponsored by Lactigo. Pablo and I are both Lactigo, big time users. If you want to try it out, we've got a code for you, Brendan20, B R E N D A N 20. That'll get you a discount, and it's 100% guaranteed, so you might as well give it a try. Hopefully, you uh, found this to be super beneficial. Apply some of this to your training, get faster, and hopefully, got some in real life events coming up. Talk I'll to you guys later. See ya.